what I really encourage people to do is go driving for dollars. Okay. Go out, take an extra 15 minutes on your way to dinner and drive through two or three extra neighborhoods that you've never been through or you just haven't been through in a while and find the empty houses and then go find the owner and send them a letter and say, hey, how about selling it to me? Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens, but as always, Debbie with us on the show. As you know, it is my job to explore, dissect, and interview the cream of the crop when it comes to real estate, business, and entrepreneurship here in the United States, so you can all make the right investing decisions to create massive amounts of cash flow, which will lead to financial freedom and hopefully long-term wealth. As you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, but knowledge without action just means you're a fence-sitter, so be educated first and foremost but also go out, take massive amounts of action, and hopefully the guests on my show will inspire you to do so. If you do like this show, please give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching Reed Goodsons. You can find this show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. We can also now find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. Head over to reedgoodsons.com, click on the video link, and it'll take you straight to the recordings so you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my incredible guests. All right, enough out of me. Let's get into today's show. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with real estate investing goddess, Whitley Nicely. Whitney is an entrepreneur who spent, who went from selling dump trucks to becoming the queen of real estate investing in East Tennessee. Whitney started to, started to chase her passions and fine tune her skills in real estate <clears throat> after she left college. She flipped her first house in 2009. In the past 12 months, she's flipped over six houses whilst planning a wedding. Pretty incredible. Whitney has the real estate portfolio, which has expanded to 17 residential houses, 19 apartment units, and seven chunks of vacant land across East Tennessee. She's passionate about teaching married couples about how to build a side business together that will help them for retirement, but also doesn't break them up in the process. So without further ado, let's get her out here. G'day, Whitney. Welcome to the show. Hey, Reed. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. It's a really pleasure to have you on the show today. How are you doing today? It's, uh, you're over in East Tennessee, yeah? Yes, yes. And it's, nice. it's 930 here. I've already got up and got half my day done, so Beautiful. I'm good to go. Love it. Love it. Well, it's nice and early here on the, uh, on the West Coast. Yes. So, <laughs> um, but I'm getting my day started as well. I've got a couple other podcasts on today's show. But Whitney, I always ask my guests a bit of a doozy question to kick off the show. Can you explain to us in your words, who is Whitney Nicely? Um, well, I guess I am a real estate investor first and foremost, and then I'm a real estate broker and a real estate coach. So all in, all done, I am a real estate matchmaker. Real estate. I am all real estate all the time. I really don't have much else to talk about. I have stepkids and they always want to talk about sports. And I'm, I always say, well, can we talk about something else? And they say, no, we don't want to talk about real estate. <laughs> so uh, I'm a little bit, you know, the book, the one thing, I think it was written for me because I have 
one thing to talk about. And if you want to talk about it, fine. And if you don't, we'll sit in silence. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. So let's rewind the clock a little bit back to where you first got started in entrepreneurship. So explain to me how you made your first dollar. I am the fourth generation entrepreneur in my family. My great grandfather started a dump truck company in 1939 and I went to work for the trucking company in 07 when I graduated college, Mm -hmm. but I was making like $2,000 a month, which, you know, even right out of college, that's not a lot of money. And so I started going to auctions and estate sales and garage sales and buying furniture Uh, First, I was buying anything that I could carry, and then I started buying other stuff and having my brother bring a trailer later and help me carry this stuff home. And then I would would clean it. Sometimes I'd do a little bit of paint, nothing crazy, but I would put it in my house like I was using it and then sell it on Craigslist like they were buying my furniture right out of my house instead of stuff at a garage sale. And I'd make another $2,000 a month doing that. So I was flipping furniture as my first little entrepreneur thing. And then I got into, I accidentally sold a dump truck for my grandfather and he really started to figure out that these dirty old men that were coming to buy our trucks liked talking to me and liked buying trucks from me. I have no idea why. (laughs) And uh, so I started flipping trucks more than I was flipping furniture and making more money. And then I got into flipping houses. So it was all a very gradual, I was flipping all sorts of stuff, really fine tuning my sales skills and figuring out how to advertise and how to present myself. And all those things started just by flipping furniture on Craigslist. That's incredible. And I guess having it in your blood, having a grandfather who started a trucking company. So tell me what type of trucking company, what were you, what were you hauling? Oh, we haul, we haul dirt, we haul gravel, we haul zinc, which mm-hmm. is um, a big, there's a big zinc mm, like feather, I guess, in the earth in East Tennessee and also in Australia. There's mm-hmm. a lot of zinc mines in Australia. Yep. And so we are close enough to be right at the heart of it in East Tennessee mm-hmm. and we haul all the zinc. Nice. I've spent a lot of my time as a formal civil engineer on mines. So I know oh. a lot about dump trucks and I've, I've stood next to those big, you know, the big trucks where you're, you're, the wheels are bigger than you are. The ukes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 The big, the yes. big moxies, uh, yes. the, 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 the um, articulated trucks. Yes. We don't have any of those. We have road trucks. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, but I was actually certified um, in like, as soon as I graduated college and started working for the family, I went to minor school. So I'm certified as a, minor to teach our drivers how to be minors and drive mm. for the mines. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I'm sure we could have a whole podcast just talking about mining, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and trucking. Yep. Right, right. So tell me about the transition between trucking and furniture and then the first the first property you flipped or the, f- the first getting into your first house. Well, I did all of it at the same time. I had four jobs trucking and started flipping and started investing all at the same time. So when people say, oh, I've already got a job. I don't have time for that. I'm like, really? Because I had four jobs <laughs> and I still found time to do it. You will find time to do what you really want to do. You know right, what I mean? Right. So I, I was working at the trucking company and I was working with my mom all day. I was living at my mom's house and it was just a lot of mom time. But my mom had always been a real estate investor and she had a house and it was close to this neighborhood. And I was like, well, why don't we just kick your tenants out and I'll live there? And she was like, all right, fine. So (laughs) 
we kicked them out. They'd been there for like almost 12 years and I don't think they'd vacuumed or wiped down the countertops once in the 12 years that they were there. I mean, it was disgusting. Filthy. So we went in and they didn't like destroy anything. They were just gross. So we went in and flipped that house, not really planning on it, planning on just like doing a little bit of a lipstick on a pig kind of thing mm -hmm. and letting me move in, you know, maybe paint and carpet. Oh no, we gutted the whole thing and did it top to bottom. And it took about four months, which I really struggled with because I thought this has got to be faster. People do not spend four months. I mean, I watch the TV shows. They don't spend four months doing this. So I, I, right, flipped, right, right. I, I flipped another house every year until 2014. One year we flipped two, but I flipped another five houses with my parents. They were buying and then flipping and then renting. They, mm -hmm. They're buying hold. They don't, my mom thinks sell is a bad four letter word. So we just don't. Um, but it, all of them took three or four months and I was really frustrated because I really wanted to put a system into place. I wanted to streamline it. So in 2014, I had opportunity to do a flip by myself and I got it done in three weeks. And so wow. I was like, heck yeah, I can do this. <laughs> there was, there was some other real estate going on in the meantime, but I definitely flipped my first five houses with my training wheels on spending mom and dad's money. Yep. Bank and mom and dad. Hey, you can't, you can't get better than that. Right. Yeah. Straight to the, straight to the source. And it, so were these houses just stuff in your local neighborhood? Were there, was there anything particular yes. that you were looking for, like a distressed house, a foreclosed house on the court steps, blah, blah, blah. Um, my mom has always been buying real estate. Her family has always been buying commercial and industrial property but my mom they only invest in this one little part of town mm -hmm. so i always thought like when i grew up i just knew that money was going to happen in the mailbox every month i didn't know <laughs> that bills came in the mailbox <laughs> i just thought money happened there and when i was in my 20s though and i started looking at it, i was like why don't i have any money and mom was like well you have to buy something first <laughs> Like, duh. And so it really, it took me a while to really like really catch on to how this whole thing worked. Mm -hmm. So we had a honey hole and now I teach people how to find a honey hole. I already had a honey hole. I already knew where mama bought properties. Um, she did not really focus on foreclosures. She always did FISBO properties. Uh, but I got my real estate license because she bought something off the MLS. And when we got to the closing there, because I'm telling you, I was just riding around on mom's coattails, just learning as much as I could. But when we got to the closing and I saw how much that agent was making and there was a comma in it and it was more than I made in like six months, I was like, hold on. If anybody's going to be making this much money off my mama, it's going to be me. And so as soon as we left that closing, I signed myself up for real estate school and mm -hmm. went because I was like, if she's going to make it, if she's going to do a lot of this, I'm going to make some money too. Mm -hmm. And she hasn't bought anything else off the MLS since I got my license. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me I about- I actually got bored. So, go I, ahead. I got bored because she bought that property and then she didn't buy anything else for like a year. And I was like, well, I want to go buy something. I want to go do something. So that's when I got more and more and more. And I mean, working for jobs, buying, I was researching. I still didn't have a clue what I was doing. I ended up at an auction one Saturday morning and raised my hand to buy something. I had no idea where it was. I had not done any research on it. It was nowhere near my honey hole. I didn't even know where this town was in Tennessee when I bought it. 
but 1200 bucks and I bought 1.07 acres and that was December of 12. And after that I started buying land and more land and then I bought two houses and then I went broke. <laughs> I went broke trying to get rich. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we dive into that story of okay. how you, you got broke, I do want to, I do want to touch on one thing. Honey hole. What's a honey oh, yeah. hole? <laughs> a honey hole is, is where you want to be buying. So I, I talked to a lady one time and she was a traveling nurse and she was like, I go to all 50 States at least once a year. So I just want to have a house there. And I was like, why, why don't you find one place where you could have 50 houses under one utility company where you only needed one plumber, where you only had one set of taxes to deal with? Why would you want to juggle all these things? So a honey hole is really one place where you can be a big fish in a small pond because it makes all your marketing revolve really tight. If you go into one neighborhood and you buy one house and then you get another house and then you get another house, suddenly you're the majority holder in this subdivision. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the right, HOA right. can't get anything done without you. <laughs> you know, so a honey hole is really where you want to be investing. And I encourage my students or anybody that's looking if you know, everybody knows where the hot place is in their market. You know where all the yuppies are going. You know where all the rehabs are going. You know where the new subdivisions are going. You know where the good schools are. You know where all the competition is. Well, let them go. Let them do that. Because if you go the direct opposite way, there's probably going to be just as much opportunity and none of the competition. Right, right, right. So, right. so you... I find my honey hole usually direct opposite of where everybody else is going. So with your honey hole, are you finding it in markets or sub markets, which are a little rough around the edges or? No, they're nice subdivisions. I have in my, right around my house where I live, I've got six other houses. Mm -hmm. So you can't throw a dead cat in my neighborhood and not get one <laughs> of my houses. Right, 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 right. But then I've got another honey hole probably five miles away, but further out into the country. And I've got three little houses there. And then I've got another one. And it's all on the same four lane, but it's going further and further away from the hot right. market. Right, right, right. Whereabouts in Tennessee are you investing right now? You said Knoxville. Knoxville. I'll be Knoxville. there. I'll be there in uh, in early November for Jake and Gino's show. Uh, I don't know if you know Jake and Gino. Good. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I see them on Facebook. I follow uh -huh. them on Facebook. Yes. I get a lot yep. of their ads. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'll be there at their, at their conference. Not trying to get a plug, but 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 continue. So I'll love, I'll be loving to to. I've never been in Oxville, so it's going to be incredible. Um, but but continue where 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 else are you investing? Just East Knoxville, and then the next two counties: Got Jefferson it. County and Hamblin County. Right. There's um, Asheville Highway. And Rutledge Pike, that's that's where I invest, within a mile of Asheville Highway or Rutledge Pike and yep. on like a 30-mile stretch. Right. And, and, <laughs> and talk to me a little bit about the type of entry points. You know, you, you, you obviously, you're, you're very successful at what you do, but trying to do someone who's like, oh, my gosh, you know, someone listening to this show would be saying, well, she's in just a, such a nice, cheap, easy place to start buying. Like, Walk me through the process of when, like mentally, you get over that hurdle of trying to go and purchase your first property. And you also, you've had the benefits of it being in your backyard, which is really, really incredible. I work with a lot of people in really hot markets, and we can still find deals there because I don't care if you're investing in LA or if you're in, well, maybe not in like New York City proper, but you know, there's gonna be somewhere you can go within 45 minutes to an hour that has a solid 
like community feel to it. it. They've got their own little thing going. They're close enough to the big city that they can still access the events and the benefits and the this and the that and the whatever, but they've got their own little ecosystem going on mm-hmm, out there. Mm-hmm. And those people, I don't care where you are in America, people are the same. We're all going to put our pants on the same. We're all going to have parents that are passing. We're all going to have kids that are doing 18 different things and we're all struggling to make sure they can get to where they need to go. We're all trying to, you know, hit that first six figures and then the next six figures. And like, we're all trying to do all of the same things. And so when you can go in and start to locate empty houses or houses that are economically empty, and you can start being a problem solver and helping sellers when they don't know where else to turn. They don't want to go into foreclosure. They don't want to go into bankruptcy. They don't, or maybe they just inherited a house and they just don't want to fool with it. Maybe they got memories there and they just don't want to take the time to do it. Or maybe it needs some work and they don't have an extra 20 grand laying around and they don't know what else to do with it. So they're just waiting on you to come through and help them. Yep. And so that's where you step in and you get with all your infinite wisdom and help them get to the next step in their life. That's incredible. So talk to me a little bit about, I know, you know, with your media pack, I was, it's just some fantastic questions, but you mentioned it in the beginning of the show, the juggling of these four jobs, you know, uh, the, the, the whole complaint, uh, it it very much seems that you're, 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 you're a goal getter. You're an ass kicker. You're going to go out and take names, but like actually walk me through how you try and power other people to be ass kickers and to just, you know, oh, I'm so busy. I can't go out and I can't get off the couch and I can't go and do this first deal. And it's like, as you said, you're working four jobs. There's enough time in the day. We've all got the same amount of time in the day. It's what you make of it. Cause I think that's really, really important for all listeners out there to really focus on being effective rather than just being busy. Well, one thing that I do with my students is I put them into a group. So we've got some motivation. So they see other people out there taking an hour a day to make it happen. And so that makes, that gives some peer pressure. Sometimes peer pressure is bad and sometimes it works miracles in a new person's life. The (laughs) other thing is the people that I mostly work with are not trying to become me and you. They don't want to be full-time investors. They like their job. They're already professionals in what they do. They're already making multiple six figures or, you know, definitely hundred grand and they're, they're happy, but they're looking at their retirement. They're looking at college planning and they see that they just need more and they can go through their 10 or 15,000 a month like that and still not really be living like they want to. And so they just want to do one deal a month. They want to do six deals a year because if they buy six houses in one year, that's more than they've ever bought in their life. And they are totally happy with that. And if they make 500 or a thousand dollars on those six properties, that's an extra three to $6,000 every single month that now they don't have to clock in for. So after two years of that, they've replaced their income and not really had to, you know, miss out on a lot of games. They didn't have to double down and get a, like a, a second, you know, job or something. And if you just take one step at a time, one step in the right direction, and whether it's a small step or a big step, you just keep going. I mean, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> one bite at a time. <laughs> And so like, I really, because you can get really overwhelmed doing real estate, right? Sure. Sure. But if you look at it as to, I'm not trying to get out here and kill it. I'm not trying to become, you know, 
us. I'm just trying to help my family. I'm just trying to give myself a little bit of peace of mind and more financial freedom and, you know, all those things. One at a time, we're going to knock it down. Right. Right, right, right. No, I completely agree with you. It's, it's, it's about putting one foot in front of the other, setting up a, a, a target, right? A lot of people, as you, it, you sort of just alluded to it then, it can be really full on, right? And if you have a target and, and then a time frame to hit that target, you get a lot of pressure, you get a lot of uh, the anxiety. But if you just have a target and say, okay, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other, do these mini steps to get to that target, as long as I'm going in the right direction, whether it takes me... You know, if I'm sitting here at 80 years old telling my grandparent, grandkids that I, you know, bought, you know, 2,000 units, does it matter if I did it in 2017 or 2019? You know, like it's all about moving in that right direction. So I completely 100% agree with you. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, I love the fact that someone can go out and buy six or seven houses, but, you know, in your market, I'm sure it's a lot easier. Talk to those people who are in hotter markets where the entry barriers to entry may be a little bit higher. And then how do you get around that mentally saying, well, you know, Whitney's in a fantastic market. She can go buy six or seven houses for, for what I could probably pay for one house here in, in Los Angeles. So how do you help people overcome that mental barrier? Well, one thing I do is I don't pay cash for these houses and I don't get mortgages on them. I do creative financing. I do owner financing or lease options. And that's why once you figure out who you're talking to and who you're looking for, like those people that inherited properties or people that are making two payments and they don't want to be a landlord or they've got you know, just a lot going on and they've got a problem. They got some sort of money problem and they can't just sell it. Right. They, they don't want to deal with agents. They, you know, they got a lot of other things going on. When you can focus on who you're helping, it really helps your marketing. It helps your mindset. It helps you land more deals. I, I mean, even in hot markets, people are buying properties, wholesalers are working, investors are working. You just kind of, you either have to be smarter than them, or like I said earlier, you have to go 45 minutes away. Right, right. Let right, them right. go compete with everybody. You go play in the sandbox by yourself. Right. So talk to me a little bit about that creative financing because I, I love creative financing. I think it's one of the, the best things you can do. No, not, not no money downs, but but getting into uh, a helping situation where you can potentially not have to dawn or shadow the the bank halls uh, or the lot of the local bank. Uh, right. <laughs> so. What are some of the techniques that you teach your students uh, when you're getting started? Uh, and it, it said can apply to any real estate asset. It doesn't have to be single family because, you know, creative financing can happen across the whole spectrum. But what is your sort of first piece of advice when you're looking to try and create, do a creative financing deal with, uh, with an owner? Well, we're not going to be looking at the MLS. So you just got to get that off the table. No MLS. That's got it. All right. Not going to happen. I'm a broker. I don't like agents. I'm kind of like the anti-realtor realtor. Uh, so I just don't like paying them. They usually get in my way because they don't understand my plan. You don't know how many agents come to me and they're like, teach me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they know there has to be another way, but it's not in the regular continuing education program, mm-hmm. uh, which also goes along with the banks and the government and how they keep us controlled. But we'll get into that another day too. <laughs> um, so what I really encourage people to do is go driving for dollars. Go out, take an extra 15 minutes on your way to dinner and drive through two or three extra neighborhoods that you've never been through or you just haven't been through in a while and find the empty houses and then go find the owner and send them a letter and say, hey, saw your house look like crap. How about selling it to me? 
Right. Or you don't have to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, if you, if, and, and you know, people used to take a Sunday drive and go mm -hmm. ride around mm -hmm. and look at stuff and visit. If you can take a Sunday drive, you will be shocked at what you will find. There are so many empty houses in America. Like I think I saw a study, it's been a couple years ago, it's a little dated, but at the time there were enough empty houses that every homeless person could have two if they wow. wanted it. So you can't tell me there's no opportunity. You can't tell me that everything's selling in three hours because there's some stuff out there just sitting. Right. I completely agree. So you say you go for driving for dollars, step number one, you just familiarize yourself with the, with the neighborhood. And then step two is trying to find a, a crappy house, right? Step three, which is, this is going to be the hard one. That's what I want to ask you about. How do you find the owner? Well, there's a GIS, the Geological Information Service. In LA County, you have to pay for it, but I think that's the only county like in the country where you do have to subscribe to it. Most other counties, if you just type in your county GIS, it's public information as to who bought what and when and right. what their forwarding address is. Right, right, right. And so you're you're collating all this data and you're then essentially doing mail, mail letters, yellow letters, white letters, whatever the hell, purple letters, yeah. <laughs> whatever color letter to then entice them to sell to you, correct? And then you can streamline that and I teach that a little bit too, but the real driving for dollars and sending those yellow letters, that's just a really good eye-opening experience for a newbie to mm -hmm. say, holy crap, there is a lot of opportunity out here. <laughs> You're right, right. And, it, it, that, and that's on your step to changing that mindset, to yeah. taking that first step towards yeah. that target we just talked about yeah. a little while ago. No, I love, I love it. I love it. My mom used to take me driving for dollars and I didn't even know what it was. I thought we were just driving around looking at houses. We were chit-chatting. That's like how we bonded. She right. didn't call it driving for dollars either. She wasn't properly trained as mm -hmm, an investor, mm -hmm. but she's one of the best investors that I know. Right, right. And, so, you know, a lot of people have kids and they're driving around getting the kids to go to sleep. You go driving for dollars to those kids. <laughs> <laughs> you write down some addresses while you're out there. We're knocking down two birds with one stone, honey. <laughs> so you, you, you've you highlighted the, the, the vacant house or the, the crappy house on the block. You've then the gone sad out. Houses. The sad houses. The sad houses. <laughs> right, right. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you then go on the GIS. You find out the information. You send them a yellow letter. I'm sure you'll have exempt. If someone was listening to this show, you can send you an ex email you and send you an example. Then what's the next step? What what do you what do you? How as a newbie are you providing them value? If you know from from a from a sales point of view, you know like oh I've got a house. Why do I want to sell to this kid or this person? You know who's just starting out in, in real estate investing. How do you change that? and show them and prove them that you've got value to them. Because that's what everyone wants, right? It's like, what can you do for me to help me get this house off my hands? Well, if you're talking to somebody and they've got an empty house, they're not making any money on it. And so when you start saying, I'll just send you a bunch of money for it, it changes the whole conversation. Right. You don't even have to talk about dollars and cents yet. You just have to get your foot in the door. Right. And, you know, when people realize that, oh, yeah, I guess they aren't making any money. So if I did even send them 500 or $1,000, that'd be better than nothing. Right. <laughs> 100%. No, I can, I, but I think what you're really trying to get into is the, the what's, what's their pain point you can help them with, correct? That's, that's the, the whole seller? point. The seller, correct. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So you, yeah, as, a, as a prospect, you're, as a newbie, you're trying to hone in on that, like, 
um, the, the, the pain point that's going to then switch the, flip, the light on and say, yes, why don't I work with this gentleman? Why don't I work with Whitney? Why don't I work with Reed? So, yeah. And I have a seller lead sheet that kind of flows you through the conversation to help mm -hmm. bring out their pain points and their problems. I've also got a cheat sheet, which I don't know why I call it a cheat sheet. It's like 22 stinking pages. <laughs> so that'll really help newbies go through and kind of get their mind in the game to look for these opportunities that mm -hmm. a lot of people are passing up and a lot of times some people pass them up because it does take a little bit of legwork to go back and look up the property and then send them a letter and then wait on call and then you know maybe they don't and then what do we do and you know there's lots of ways to streamline that yeah. but just driving for dollars and getting out there and maybe talking to some neighbors and handing out some cards and uh just kind of getting a good feel for where if this is your hunting hole or not mm -hmm. Mm -hmm that's free. Yep. No, hundred percent agree. And I think the whole action of doing it really empowers yeah. you to, 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 to say, I'm doing something, getting off the couch. It's better than me sitting there watching, you know, some crappy reality TV show. No, I completely and you can agree watch with YouTube videos on how to do this forever and ever and ever. But until yep. you get out there and start doing it, yakking, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Love it. it ain't going to happen. So tell me about how you've got your whole business ecosystem that you've created with your family, with your loved ones and how you haven't ripped each other apart. <laughs> my stepkids, uh, my youngest stepkid, he actually came to one of my weekend workshops just kind of on accident. He was kind of like in between practices and, you know, kid stuff. And so he sat in and now he is obsessed with finding empty houses. So it don't matter who he's riding around with us, his mom, his grandparents, his friends, parents, he's going, Oh, there's an empty house. I got to tell Whitney, Oh, there's an empty house. And so like, he's the best little bird dog that I've ever had. Um, so, you know, making it a game. And I talk about this a lot too. If you've got kids and you're trying to figure out how you're going to get started and keep them entertained at the same time, it's, it's a great big scavenger hunt mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or you train them to look for FISBO signs or, you know, you, you talk to them and as you're learning, you teach them. And sometimes kids, I mean, because they're not complicated yet. They don't, don't right. see all the problems that we see and so they right. say well why just why don't you just do this all right they've got they've got a toddler brain going on right you know where it's just like i'm just gonna go out and oh there, there's a sign mom yeah <laughs> right i'll just do it what's I, wrong with I, you I, just call it i don't have any issues with failing like i don't even know what failure is yet so no no i completely love it sounds so, like a bad word yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know and that that helps too i will tell you though that when i got started uh, my boyfriend at the time knew that my family was a real estate investor. He knew I was working at the family company, but he is, he was very straight and narrow. He's very corporate. He was not entrepreneurial at all. His parents were both teachers. He, he was on the straight and narrow path. Right. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he had friends that lost a lot of money in the recession. And he had other friends that had gotten taken uh, for wild rides with MLM companies and all this stuff. So when I said I wanted to get a into real estate investing, he thought that was the dumbest, craziest, riskiest <laughs> thing that I had ever decided to do. And especially when I started getting into creative financing, I went to my first boot camp and came home and I was really excited. And he was like, this isn't going to work. Nobody's going to sell you their house. You've wasted all your time and money. You need to give it up and just like do your job and be the best employee that you can be. And I was like, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> so I did six deals before he was finally like, I think you might be, might be onto something here. And then I was, I was on my, I was on my way to an open house for my 12th deal. And he was going with me. We were at the Krispy Kreme parking lot getting donuts to go to an open house. And he was like, you know, I, I think you've just been lucky so far. And this isn't really like a long-term plan. 
uh, you, you just need to like quit. And I was like, dude, I've made like a hundred grand this year. I've, you know, done 12 deals so far. You need to go away. <laughs> so we broke up and, um, we were apart for about a month. And, and when we got back together, the deal was, it wasn't that I gave him an ultimatum, but I definitely told him he was either going to get into real estate and be positive and be a cheerleader, or he was just going to go away. Right. So within a month after that, we were in apartment school together. And then in three months, we closed on three apartment complexes and then got married later that year. So he got on board and we are <laughs> married and now he works for me. <laughs> love it. Love it. So we went completely full circle. And so if you're out there and you have a spouse or a parent or somebody that's important to you and they're not exactly on board totally cool. You do not have to kick them to the curb. You can threaten to, but you don't actually have to get rid of them to make them come around. But it's, it was, it's interesting just throughout that, your story there, that how he had the, the, some of the comments that you'd, he'd made to you about, you should be an employee and the best employee you should be, and you shouldn't be doing this. And this is a waste of money. Very much the whole, uh, we were taught this at school, blah, blah, blah. You got to go get a job. You got to just keep your mouth shut and you got to just, you know, earn money. So that's such, that would be such a, a paradigm shift for him, right? To then get on board with you. Otherwise, he's not going to have a girlfriend. He's not going to have you in his life. And he could potentially use you to lose you. So he had to sort of, you know, get his act in the gear, you know, get on board. And, and look, not, not everyone's going to get on board, but they can still be a cheerleader for you and say, hey, honey, you know, well done. You know, I'm not going to come to your boot camps, but well done. So, yeah, yeah I think that's really incredible. And he, so... I had a little bit of an internal struggle. He had a lot of an internal struggle, right. but that's how we keep it together now. And I can't, we came from two different families. He came from a good employee family. Mm -hmm. I came from a, let's take a risk and make this thing happen kind of family. <laughs> and so, but it, it's good for him. It's good for the kids to see both sides of that also. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what he finally realized. So that's, you know, if you're going to work with family, I had somebody uh, send me a message earlier today. They're flipping a house with family and they're talking about how do I tell them to get out of my way and let me do this and do that. And I said, remember I did five with my family before I said, forget it. I can do this by myself. All right. So you have to learn how to get the job done and still be happy on Christmas morning. Right. Right. That's and very important. I, that, that is a very, and I, I can't give you uh, directions on that because everybody's family is going to be different on mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. um, but you do at some point have to have a really hard conversation. Right. Yep. And say, this is what I see in my future. This is what I am planning on doing. This is what I am putting myself through. And you can be on board and support me or you cannot, but you're not going to stop me. Right. And I think it's really important with any job site, you know, not necessarily just a flipping job site is to establish the hierarchy. Right. And that, you know, a lot of, a lot of families have opinions, right. And it's everyone has got to have their opinion before they, <laughs> before you get on with the bloody work, you know, even, even as, as, as simple as I fly back to Australia every Christmas and we're talking about what we're having for dinner and everyone's got an opinion. I'm like, guys, just make a decision to move on. It's food. You know, I know. Like, it's like, we're going to eat again in six hours. It doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> right. So talk, I'm sure you had to, ha like you said, you had to have those hard conversations. So how's your relationship with your husband right now? And, and what did you do to step up or set up the roles and responsibilities to make sure there's no uh, people stepping on toes and, and, and rubbing each other up the wrong way? Well, he 
just started working for me in July. So he's only been working for me for three months. And uh, because how's he, he going? Is, how's he going? It's he's good. Going. It's he's good. good. Uh, there was a struggle. <laughs> definitely a struggle because I want to do this and that. And I'm kind of all over the place. And I just, you know, make it happen because I'm like a Tasmanian devil. You get out there and you keep it all stirred up and it all happens, right? But he's a planner. So mm -hmm. he wants to take like three hours to scope out the next six months. And I'm like, I can't do the next six hours. How are we ever going to, you know, like, <laughs> no. And so that, that was an adjustment for sure. But I can see the benefit in that. And mm -hmm. I've been able to give him a lot of the things that kind of bog me down. Yep. And he is really taking on the lead as to going and buying more properties for us while I focus on coaching mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and keeping, you know, a strong source of money coming in. I coach, I tell everybody I coach so that I can pay off my houses so that I'll have them free and clear. And then I won't have to do either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working really hard for the next three years so that I'll have, right. you know, hundred houses paying me a hundred or a thousand dollars a month. Right. free and clear and I won't have to do either. Right, 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 right. No, I, I completely love it. But I think it sounds like you've had to make some adjustments in your, the way that oh, you're yeah. thinking, right? You know, in oh, terms yeah. of the way you're being um, approached. Managed. Your, and management, right? Like in terms of your time, in terms of being scatterbrained, in terms of I've got to do a thousand because some people can, can be organized chaos and they work well. I'm a little bit of that, but also I've got a wife who, you know, has also centered me in terms of, okay, I really do have to get into planning, do my daily planner, look, you know, look ahead, being an engineer as well. I'm a former engineer. I've got that black and white brain. There's no gray. It's just like, it's, this either works or it doesn't. A plus B equals C. It doesn't equal B and a half. <laughs> right. So I'm sure that you, you and yourself, have, when you look back and reflect, you've found that some incredible strengths from him, which have made you better as, as, as a couple, right? Oh, for sure. And it's always nice, you know, even when you do a podcast, you can do a podcast by yourself and it could be awesome. <laughs> but just having that other person there to give a little bit of back and know, forth. Yeah. It just makes everything so much more fun and more much, so much more enjoyable for everybody. And so that's really been a good point for having him on board and just being able to give sometimes the man's perspective because the way I go about negotiating is totally different right. than where he goes about right, negotiating. Right, 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 and right. neither one of them are wrong. We both get the job done, but sometimes you need a different perspective sure. and sometimes just different times it works better for you. So it's been absolutely amazing. And the one, I will say the best thing that we have done to be able to work together is we do workshops. Like we go to other people's workshops, not even really real estate workshops. We've gone to um, stepmom camp mm -hmm. before so that he could hear other people. And cause when I say stuff about being a stepmom, it's kind of like, ah, you're just crazy. When she says it, he goes, Oh yeah, you said that. Okay. It makes more sense. <laughs> what, but, what is, what is that called? The, the, Oh, someone else said it. So it's now right. I've been, I've been bloody saying it for six months. You know, the expert lives an hour away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. Yeah. So number one piece of advice to having a successful business with a spouse or a family member go to workshops, go to business workshops, go to motivation workshops, go to marriage workshops, get out of the house, get out of the office, go be with people. We're people. We need mm -hmm. other people. We don't survive on islands by ourselves for a reason. Well, I guess Australians do, but y'all figured that <laughs> out too. <laughs> um, but you know, you need to learn from other people. You need to see other people's 
point you of view. You just need to see what other people are doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you get ideas and they get ideas. You come back and you're charged and you make it explode. Right. But then, you know, maybe three months, six months, maybe it takes a year. You need that dose right. again. And yeah. I don't care what kind of camp or workshop you go to, <laughs> just go. <laughs> Well, Whitney, I want to say that this has been an incredible conversation. I will, I will, we're just going to be, we're coming to the end of the show. So I, want to, I do want to wrap it up. But one thing before we do get into our top five investing tips is what's the future hold for you and your husband and for 2017 and beyond? We really are trying to get to a hundred grand a month. And that's like we said earlier, if that happens when I turn 35, fine. If it happens when I turn 65, that's fine. But we are working to, you know, pay off our houses so that that is free and clear. We're working on paying off our apartments. So that's free and clear. We're working on buying more. Uh, we're working on helping more people. And the more people we help get their first deal, get their sixth deal, then that's only going to help us go back out there into the market and buy in our honey hole too. Right. So we're, we're looking to grow, but we're at a really good place where I get to drink coffee with him on the back porch every morning. Right. The kids are off for fall break and he's in there watching Friday night lights right now. Right. Like we're not trying to get, you know, huge really fast. It's a slow and steady process for us. It's a slow and steady process for our students and my ultimate goal, I'll tell you this, whether we hit the hundred a month or not, um, if we hit 50 or 75, I don't really care. But the reason I want to do that is so that I can be a mom right. and I can be a mom that knows that money is going to be in the mailbox every single month. I don't need to worry about, maybe I need to go get a job this month. I don't need to worry about, maybe I need to pick up another shift or do something or, you know, flip some furniture on Craigslist. I want to know that the money's going to happen and I can be a full-time mom. Right, 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 right. Yep, I think that's incredible. And be there for your kids and be there to help them grow and, and essentially one day hopefully pass the buck on like your grandfather did, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So Whitney, I always end the show with asking my incredible guests to give me their top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Yeah. All right, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? I live and breathe by my calendar. Mm -hmm. I, even if I am a scattered mess, I've always lived and breathed by my calendar. And if I need to do something, I will time block that out and make sure that it gets done then. Because I learned this when I was working for my mom. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off because then it's not going to be good. Get it done now because something else is going to come up right. that you're going to want to do in the meantime. And nothing's going to get your good, full, fresh attention and do the hardest thing in the morning. Boom. What's it called? Like eating the frog or something? There's some, there's some <laughs> saying, there's, there's some weird saying out there that's like, you do that hardest thing first, get it done. And then the rest of the day is actually, it's a downhill slope, right? Because. And there's doing. some simple things you can do, like making the bed every single morning so that everything looks and feels tidy. And the kids, they make their bed every single morning, at least when they're here, so that they've already accomplished something. It's not anything great. Um, another thing that you can do if you are kind of sluggish and maybe you're not really excited about doing the hard thing first, brush your teeth with the opposite hand and it'll wake up your brain because, huh. it, 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 I mean, it's so natural just to brush your teeth, but if you have to consciously think about doing it with the other hand, it's kind of annoying, but it really gets you... 
That's a, that's, a cool, that's a cool little trick. I'll, I'll have to write that down. It's so, weird. It's all get out and you'll quit halfway through and be like, F this, she's stupid. <laughs> no, I love it. I think, I think, I think the whole calendar thing, planning a day, getting it done for the hardest thing done first is, is really, really incredible. Who's been the most influential career, person in your career today? My mom. Your mom. I could, I could have said that. Either your mom or your grandfather. I couldn't, I don't know, but it sounds and- like your mom. It was definitely my mom. She has always been my strongest supporter. Even when I had these crazy ideas, I can see her over there going, yeah, go get it. Yeah, go get it. Yeah, go get it. And, you know, she's going to be there and support me even if she has no idea how I buy houses or how I have more than her in three months. Three years. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> well, well, hey, congratulations. Hopefully she can start coming along to, she can be a student, right? The, 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 the student becomes a teacher. I'm going to, uh, I'm doing a workshop in LA next month and she's going with me. It's her first nice, one. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. We'll have to, we'll have to meet up for coffee if you're, if okay. you're around. We'll, we'll definitely kick something and say good day. Uh, who, or sorry, what is the most influential tool in your real estate business? It might be a software, it might be a phone, it might be a diary, it might be a calendar. There might be whatever that helps you function better or your business function better. Uh, well, it's probably either my attorney or my accountant, <laughs> but on a regular daily basis, it's if this, then that ifttt.com. It's like a free virtual assistant. Like instead of combing Craigslist or Zillow or LoopNet or whatever to find deals, mm-hmm. you can set up a command in if this, then that, and it'll send you an email. Hmm. Okay. So if you're looking for, you know, a three bedroom, two bath and this zip code with pictures on Craigslist, it'll send you an email every time for sale by owner, it'll send you an email every time that hits Craigslist. And now you don't have to go through Craigslist anymore. Wow. Fantastic. If this, then that, I'll have to check it out. That's really sad. And only just for sort of single family-esque realm or is it? No, you can, you can do anything. I mean, it's worth like seriously checking out if this, okay. then that, that thing will do so many cool things. It'll text you. It'll email you. I just use the Craigslist example because it's easy to understand. <laughs> no, that's great. I think that's a fantastic thing. I'll have to check it out. What has been the biggest failure to date and what have you learned from that failure? I bought a house one time on a street that I was not familiar with in a part of town that I was not familiar with. It was not my honey hole. And I did not go look at the property before I bought it. My brother went and looked at it and he was like, don't buy this. Don't buy this. Please don't buy this. And I was like, so 15,000. He was like, no, 10,000. Don't pay any more than 10,000 for this. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I paid 15,000 for it. It was at auction. And as soon as we went over there and looked at it, we were attacked by fleas and you could see the water squishing out of the carpet. As we walked across the bathroom was definitely an afterthought and there wasn't any essential heat in air. Uh, I was over there one time and it was just, I, I wasn't comfortable. So I called a cop buddy of mine and he came over and he was like, get out of here. Don't ever come back to this house. So we put the house back up for sale on auction and we got $11,000 for it. It was a really, really, really rough neighborhood. And so I learned you know, I didn't get raped or mugged or kidnapped while we had that house. So $4,000 versus me, totally cool. Right. Uh, the other thing I learned is, you know, stay where I know the houses, mm-hmm. stay mm-hmm. where I know the market, stay, yep. you know, whatever. And this is way before I had any plan. This, I was just throwing spaghetti against the wall. But the last thing that I learned there is that every house is not worth 15000 no matter what. Right. Right, right, right. No, keeping keeping your safety is really important, and uh, and also uh, I think 
the biggest thing is keeping to what you know, right? Keep, yeah. Stick stick to your lane. It's it's you, you ventured outside your lane, you you might get your hand slapped, right? Yep. And <laughs> so, I definitely did. <laughs> well, very very awesome stuff. Last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to you you mentioned a bunch of free stuff, cheat sheets, lead sheets. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who want to hit you up. Where can they go? My website is WhitneyNicely.com. Whitney like Houston, nicely like nicely done. And I'm also really mouthy on Facebook. So if you can get in my Facebook group or friend me on Facebook, I do lots of little real estate tips and tricks and stuff there. Awesome. 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 Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on today's show. It's been really, really incredible. I just want to, you know, summarize some of the things that I, I took away from today's show. I think the okay. first, the first and fo- first and foremost is the honey hole. Love that expression. I'm going to start using it now. Where's my honey hole? Uh, <laughs> building relationships through business workshops. I think that was really, really incredible. Uh, and, and I, I really enjoyed speaking to you about how you build your relationship with your husband and it sounds like a very special relationship you have with your mom and and what she's done to inspire you. So, so really, really well done. I want to thank you for coming by. We're going to catch up soon and enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for having me, Reed. This is great. My pleasure. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed full of some awesome investing advice and actionable steps. There were some great takeaway golden nuggets there. Make sure you head over to my website, reedgoosens.com, click on the podcast tab, and you're going to see all the links and show notes from today's show. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to continue to tune in and grow your real estate investing knowledge because that's what we're all about here on this show. Continue to grow your financial IQ through investing in US real estate. Until next week, take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. investing.